Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And you just told me one of the most exciting things I've heard in my life. Yeah, I I feel kind of bad that we didn't uh, actually save it for the podcast, but I let slip that I found out this week they're remaking Knight Rider. And I I I, I was so excited. I said this is this is not like th- this is not good for me to like go into a church planning podcast having just received news <laughs> such as that. This is this is what it's going to be the whole time. I'm going to be going like church planning, womp, 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 church planning, and Pete's going to be off going, I wonder what kind of car they're going to use. Will David Hasselhoff be in it? You know, they could have this guy in it the whole time. Um, I'm going to be thinking things like, Michael, your logic in this case is totally illogical, and yet it's absolutely <laughs> correct. This is just amazing. No kid. Just human. Oh, I love yeah, that baby. show. Oh, or how about? Michael, I have a strange feeling about this. What are you talking about? You don't have feelings. I know. That's what's strange about this. I love this show. I love this show. <laughs> Dude, that was the voice you got when you're like, you got that little boy voice when I'm like, oh, they're remaking it. And you're like, what? This is not <laughs> possible. I mean, I'm like, I don't church planning. Church planning, I almost am afraid to say it, but Star Wars or Knight Rider? I got to go with Knight Whoa. Rider. I know. I know. It's too far, man. It's, you don't understand. This was my <laughs> show growing up. This was the show. You were allowed to watch Knight Rider? Not only was I allowed to watch it, if we didn't watch it with dad, he would be upset. No way. Yes, he would be Dude. like, it's Sunday night. I'm teaching church. You guys can record it, but you can't watch it until I get home. 
No way. That's oh, yeah. so cool. That was your dad's thing. That was like the chink in his like Baptist armor. <laughs> was Knight Rider. In fact, I actually, when I bought my Ford Mustang that I drive right now, I would go out there with the flashlight and I would just wave it around in front of the, the hood. Wow. To remind that me of That is so Knight cool, Rider. man. I'm just saying. Actually, I don't think it's true. I don't think they're redoing a movie. I think what you saw was the uh, fan-made trailers online. I don't, I don't think it's really happening. Yeah, I understand that disbelief is kind of like the next, you know, uh, stage of this. Um, it's kind of like the stages of grief. You'll go through things like blame, depression, bargaining. You know, God, if you have them remake Knight Rider, I'll, you know, do X amount of Church Planner podcasts. Because I can see right now you're almost tempted to just chuck this whole Church Planner podcast and start the Knight Rider podcast. Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. <laughs> and we fixed our sound effect machine. I know. Thanks to Justin. Justin Fallon came over to the house, and for 50 bucks, he fixed my sound machine. Oh, worth every penny, my friend. <laughs> it really was, actually. And then this morning, he goes, hey, I found this on the internet. Check it out. It's an article on uh, like hooking, uh, hooking your sound machine up to Google Hangouts. And I looked at the page and I texted back. I go, I understood nine words on that web page. <laughs> no way, dude. And if you understood nine, that means that I would understand zero. Hey, uh, put me in a coma. And Jonathan Ferguson, this one's for you. I have to agree with Pete. Just saying. Hey, I, I have to plead the fifth every time because anything I say after that can and will be used against me. Yeah, I agree with Pete. Wow. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> saying. You. I'm just saying. I, oh, yeah, I mixed it up, baby. I mixed it oh, up. Wow. So, yeah, we got the old sound effects machine back, and uh, it's better than ever. In fact, a, a little message from our, our good friend Lance Ford for Hardcore Church Planting. Hey, this is Lance Ford, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planting with the two greatest metrosexual hosts in church planting world that you'll ever meet. Now, what you should know is he actually didn't say that about us, because notice he never mentioned our names. So, you know, maybe we're not the metrosexuals. Interesting. Just saying. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit stunned by that one, but um, I'm going to roll with it. Uh, it, it, it. Metrosexual, we're anything but, to be honest. You have failed me for the last time. <laughs> Welcome to the Church Planner Podcast, where we basically just play sound clips, talk about absolute garbage for the first 30 minutes. Now, we're actually going to tighten it up. We have a good topic today. Do you want to head into that uh, fairly soon, Pete? Or do you uh, want to well, screw around a bit? No, I mean, um, I, we do need to head into that that fairly soon. Of course, we'll, we'll give that to everybody uh, as soon as we're hit with our, our sponsors. I actually am afraid to hit the Yoda button because I think the Yoda... Um, sound effect is not working, but that's actually not our connection. That's my sound machine. I gotta let's try it. I, well, I can try. No, it. I'm curious. I want to hear what he says. I, no, I think it's well. You'll hear it, but I think it's totally out of whack. <laughs> oh yeah, see, yeah. <laughs> 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 worth the price of admission, man. <laughs> Wait, that deserves to be its own sound effect. What about what about? Oh, you know what? I think this one doesn't work either, man. Oh, I'm gonna test it. So hold on. Oh, yeah, that was your Miyagi clip. See, I got to redo the Miyagi clip. But, you know. Check, please. All right. So um, we do need to actually give a, a little bit of credit here to our sponsor, 
who uh, I, I will throw in there, has actually uh, stepped up to the plate and they said, hey, you know what, Pete and Peyton, we love your guys' podcast so much, we want to continue to sponsor your podcast for another three months. Love these guys. Love these guys. They are responsible for bringing you some of the best smack talk we've ever had and uh, a little bit of church planet information along with that smack talk. And who am I talking about, Peyton? Mo give. <laughs> M-O-G-I-V. You actually really just sang out that Mo give at the beginning. That was kind of nice. I really liked oh, it. Oh, man. I wish you could play that song that I sung for you on your... Uh, oh, not- on my phone? Oh, man. That was that was a thing of beauty. I think I could have gotten into the opera with that song I made. You want to know what's really shameful? I actually deleted that. Oh, Pete. That was like when you thought you deleted Francis Chan's whole interview. We interviewed the guy for an hour and you like, no, 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 I lost no, no. it. It was a half hour. We didn't oh. get Francis Chan for a whole hour. He wouldn't give us a whole hour. <laughs> he's like, it, rightly so. He's like, he's no, a wise man. You know, you guys don't understand. I'll give you a half hour. And even then we were late. Do you remember like when we were trying to get on? He's like, I'm here. I'm on the Google Hangout. And you guys aren't here. Hey, nothing can beat jumping into the Philip Yancey call. Philip. Notice I caught myself. <laughs> And, and and my first, you know, we we were early in doing interviews, and I thought it was fun to always jump into the call because you get a chime going, Woo-hoo! and I jump in uh, screaming at the top of my lungs, and it's super quiet. And I'm like, hello? <laughs> Philip goes, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the thing I'll say about Philip is he's a very reserved guy. Like, we get a lot of people on the podcast and they're just like us. They're cut-ups, which is probably the reason why they're like, yeah, I want to do your podcast. I listen to it. I mean, even a guy who you could see would be not much of a cut-up, Jay Warner yeah. Wallace, because yeah. he, uh, you know, he's a retired cold case detective. He's around bad people, murder, death his whole life. And he's like shooting the breeze with us, like we're one of the guys. He's like, yeah, you know, this is what I did over here, and that's what I did over there. I mean, you know, you would never expect him to be like that cool. And then we get Philip Yancey, and Philip's like, yes, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. It was funny. We've had some really, really funny ones on there, but, uh, yes. but anyways, we totally fun. interrupted our MoGive commercial. We always do, yeah. They're, they're kind of well, used to it. Hey, bucks, man. If, if they haven't, if they haven't realized that we're going to totally murder their commercial by this point, I don't. Maybe they don't listen to the show. Who knows? <laughs> right? They're like, we wrote it down for them. What more do we got to do? <laughs> like, we wrote it down for them five years ago. Just keep saying the same thing. Hey, all I know is it's the best advertising on the planet. You get a unique message every week. <laughs> And it actually becomes part of the show. I told you about that church planner. I was uh, doing a training on how to become a Facebook consultant. And he came to the training, and we were talking about his church plant at uh, dinner the first night. I'm like, well, do you guys have any online or text-based giving? And he goes, no, right now we're just using, well, MoGive, MoGive, MoGive. <laughs> like, like, all of a sudden just hit him. That That's awesome. Yeah, that he's got he's to say MoGive. Which, by the way, guys, that is the actual commercial right there. If you're looking to get some online or text-based giving going at your church, you want to hook yourself up with MoGive. Uh, MoGive is so much better than PayPal, and it is really, really cool, especially with the text-based giving. You know, we we have a church that's in the inner city, and we use texting because even the homeless people have cell phones. 
Uh, now, of course, they're not like a, a regular pay phone. They're uh, one of the prepaid plans, kind of what actually my my own dad uses, the Baptist minister. He's all about the prepaid plan. But uh, but that's, I mean, um, they've got cell phones. And so it's actually a great way for us to keep in touch with people is to text them. And MoGive has got a solution where people are able to tithe via text. I mean, you really can't get cooler than that and have uh, online giving. So you want to get signed up with MoGive. Um, go on over to mogiv.com, that's M-O-G-I-V.com forward slash church, and get signed up with them right away. Tell them Pete and Peyton sent you. How cool would it be on a Sunday morning to stand up and say, hey, you know, we're going to pass a basket. Sorry, my throat's attacking the crowd out of me. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, take your cell phone out, man. You paid through your cell phone right now. Boom, it goes up on the screen. I don't have my wallet. That's okay. Do you have your phone? Yes. Well, <laughs> it's what I look at during church. <laughs> I'm reading the Bible on my, my smartphone. No, I'm not checking email. I'm reading the Bible. That's not true. They're checking email. You're a liar. I have to agree with Pete. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing that out there. I sent you a bunch of clips of Pee Wee Herman. He has a best quotes on the planet i um i don't i don't even think i listened to him i think i saw that come through and it was like you you have a habit of sending me stuff when i'm like at my busiest (laughs) and so and and absolutely meaningless stuff not like you know oh pete you're super busy right now this is really important yeah it's the ratio of it's as meaningless as pete is busy that's pretty much how i operate so I just uh, there's there's been a lot of emails they come through when I'm like oh, whatever and I just like click on to the next one click on to the next one click yep. on to the next yep. one I get it yeah so um, anyway before we get into our topic I am your father okay oh should I actually do a little Doc Brown huh yeah come on baby we All got right. the machine back Here, here's Doc Brown for everybody. Right, Scott, it's time for this week's topic. Yeah, doggy. <coughs> and, and right oh, then you yeah. have to cough, so that's perfect. <clears throat> that's our topic. Coughing out all the bad stuff. No, we're actually going to talk about your sinning church coughing you out, getting rid of you. And what should you expect? Way to bring that back around, by the way. You like that? Yeah. You that like was, that? That's what I do. That's pretty good. Cool. Uh, we're actually going to talk today about your sinning church and what your sinning church is. Uh, why you need one, and what they ought to be doing for you. So, Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. Heck yeah, it is. But here's the deal. Um, you're sending church. I mean, it's it's pretty self-explanatory. Um, you're sending church is the church that sends you. And, and it's important to know that this is biblical. The Jerusalem church sent Barnabas up to Antioch. Uh, they, <clears throat> they had heard that a work was going on there. It had happened secondary to the persecution that came in Acts chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9, uh, all during that, that point until the, 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 the point that Paul was converted. You had uh, this persecution that spread uh, up north. And Antioch uh, experienced uh, a huge influx of Jerusalem Christians fleeing the persecution. And when that happened, they sent Barnabas up there. Now, Barnabas, he was with the 12. If you remember in Acts chapter 5, he sold all of his land and laid the money at the apostles' feet. This guy was a missionary. 
So in his heart of hearts, he was like, I'm all about kingdom work. And uh, so he already was kind of like, hey, I'm, I'm giving up what I got for the kingdom. I'm investing in kingdom work. So you can tell by that kind of heart what kind of guy Barnabas was. He was just born to be a missionary. And uh, I always joke around that when you become a church planner, you take a vow of poverty in many cases. And so we're going to talk about the sending church. You might have a sending church that is willing to fund you, and I hope that they're willing to fund you. But uh, anyway, so Barnabas is sent out by Jerusalem. It literally says that they send him up to Antioch. He goes up to Antioch as a missionary. He preaches the gospel. Many are baptized. He's working with the existing converts. And then he goes over and picks up the Apostle Paul because he wants to do the, he wants a partner. And so it's a two by two idea. So, uh, you know, Paul's been up in, in Tarsus for 12 years. He's been uh, a tent maker. He's been preaching the gospel. Uh, he's been getting persecuted, um, but he hasn't really started his ministry uh, to the uh, Gentiles. And so when he gets to Antioch, he and Barnabas uh, serve together for a year. And then once they serve together for a year, um, in Acts chapter 13, it says that they lay hands on Paul and Barnabas and they send them out. So there's a group of prophets there. They, uh, they're, they're seeking the Lord and the Lord says, send, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas to the work which I have called them to. And so that's what happens. You know, they, 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 then Antioch becomes their hub. And on Paul's three missionary journeys, it's Antioch that he leaves from and returns to. So the idea of a sending church is a biblical idea. And uh, <clears throat> so that's the first thing. I have a sending church. It's uh, Refuge Huntington Beach. Um, I, I don't say that the last church that I, that I uh, plant is my sending church. I mean, they might help to send me on to where I got to go, just like Paul used uh, Corinth and other churches. And he literally wrote to them, um, so, you know, I'm coming, taking a collection so you can send me further on my journey. And so Paul had plans to go on more journeys. And he sometimes appealed, uh, particularly first and second Corinthians, Philippians four. Uh, he appeals to those churches that he has planted to support him, but they're still not his sinning church. His sinning church is Antioch. That's home base for him. And, uh, at the end of his missionary journey, <clears throat> sorry, my throat's still bugging me. Um, at the end of his missionary journey, he returns back to Antioch and he gives a missionary report. And so it's important to know that your, uh, a lot of church planners, this is how they get. They get kind of like a, um, uh, I, I wrote recently, if you want to kind of, I did write an article on this. Um, didn't think about that before we. We're heading into this, but in out, Outreach Magazine uh, this month, I've got an article called Three Things Every Church Planner Needs, and I talk about ascending church and the three things that ascending church will do for you. So I don't have that in front of me, but the point is that uh, you you have to know that in that, in that magazine article, what I said was that the number one thing that a church planner fears is being held back. He's ready to go. Right, you can imagine how hard it would be to hold the Apostle Paul back. And most church planners feel that kind of outward, uh, that inward uh, drive for for outward 
energy. So they, they need to be propelled outward. And so ascending, ascending pastor is the guy who is behind you and he's supporting you and he's encouraging you and pushing you out. But he's also the guy that before you dive through the hatch with your parachute shouting Geronimo, he's also the guy that holds you real quick and goes, did you do the safety checks? All right, you know where your target zone is. Um, did, did you do this? Did you pack your parachute right? And nobody wants that, right? They don't want to be stopped, but you need that. And so a lot of guys don't understand the importance of having a group of people behind you that are going to support you because they don't want any strings attached. And that is one of the biggest mistakes you can make as a church planner. Hmm. I mean, I, I would imagine as an entrepreneur, right? It's kind of the same dynamics where um, entrepreneurs, you know, the, the, the key thing about an entrepreneur is he doesn't like having a boss. <laughs> yeah, but entrepreneurs also don't get sent out for the most part. That's usually called competition, and most people are not in favor of that. Probably the closest thing in the business world to what you're describing would be the idea of a franchise. You know, the franchise is there to send you out, so to speak, and provide you with support and be like, hey, did you check this? Did you check that? Did you do what we told you to do? We know how to make this thing work. Um, and ironically, that's almost exactly not what a church plant is because a franchise is you're going to look like the sending church. And I would say in most of what we're talking about here, you don't look like the sending church. That's the whole reason you're a church plant. You you are going to look different. You're going to try and reach a different segment of the population, the community, and you're going to take on different characteristics. It's kind of interesting how you talk about the fact that it's like competition um, because we find the same thing within the church world. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Finding a sending church or sending pastor can be rare. I mean, there are guys, usually the guys who have it, don't realize how good they have it. They don't realize what a rare blessing it is to have a guy who's standing behind you, who's going to send you out. Even if he seems to be putting obstacles in front of your way, it's because he cares for you. It's because he loves you. It's because he doesn't want to see you fail. He knows normally there's a dynamic with the sinning pastor where they know how hard this is. They know how hard it is to plan a church. Well, do Most they? church. I huh? mean, are you're, you're assuming, though, that the sending church as a church planner for the pastor. But if he didn't plant that church, if he inherited that church, which is what I would argue would be the case with most pastors in America today, they're not church planners. They went to seminary, yeah. they got a job in their denomination, finally worked their way up to being a pastor somewhere, somehow. But I wouldn't classify them as a church planner at all. Do they really know how hard it is for you? Do they have any clue? Well, <clears throat> Yeah, I take your point. Most non-denominational churches, I mean, we really, since the 60s and 70s, had an explosive growth of non-denominational church plans. And so most of those have been planted um, within the last 40, 50 years. And so, um, you know, a, a lot of those, I mean, prior to that, it was, it was by and large denominational, whether you were from AOG or, you know, all these other denominations that have sprung up, like Calvary Chapel, vineyard. Um, these are all new. And, you know, but, but you've got a lot of what the British would call independent evangelical churches that have sprung up. You know, if I just go down the, 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 the road and start something called River Tree of Life Church or, you know, um, you something.tv. Know I was going to name my next church. What's that? How did you know I was going to name my next church that? 
<laughs> That's so not a name you'd pick. But but here's the deal, right? Is you know you, you've got all these guys. Um, normally, they don't appreciate how hard it is. And this, most most guys now in these churches, I mean, we're now getting to the age where all these guys got to retire. They're hitting their seventies, eighties. And they're finishing. So now you're starting to see a lot of stuff come out about transition. How do you hand it off? And a lot of these guys are talking transition, have never actually made the transition. Um, They've never handed a church off, but they're writing books about it, It, which is interesting. (laughs) But, you know, that's funny because in the business world, we do that all the time. Yeah. It's like, how do you become an expert? You tell everyone you're the expert. (laughs) Yeah, it's exactly. Uh, Muhammad Ali, how, how do you become the best in the world? Well, you tell everyone you're the best in the world and then, okay, I guess he's the best in the world. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, and I've come from a movement which, uh, according to Ed Stetzer, right, my, my roots were in Calvary Chapel. That's where I started off. And that movement was a church planning movement. I mean, every church that exists was a church plan. Um, I suppose really going back, every church that exists was once upon a time a church plant. We're talking in recent history. And so the interesting thing is, is that I've primarily and chiefly worked with sending pastors who are planners. Now, there has entered in a smugness that comes particularly from the background I'm from because uh, a lot of guys are like, hey, we just had the Holy Spirit. Well, Look, back in the day where Calvary Chapel started off, there was the Jesus movement. You might have heard of this. a little revival going on called the Jesus movement. And people were getting saved. You just go and like preach, you know, five minutes, Jesus is the only way, and boom. You know, the Spirit of God is moving so powerfully that people were getting converted. And I'm not talking like just the raise your hand and keep living your life type of deals you always did. I mean, genuine conversion. Uh, where people had encounters with God, they were changed, they were transformed, um, they started following Jesus, they took up their cross, the whole thing, right? And, uh, and, and so that happened. But today, what we're experiencing is, is you can have, uh, you know, pastors kind of going, well, in my day, you know, we didn't have all these church planning conferences and church planning books. Why? If we, you know, if we want to do, we just went out and did it and God blessed it. And if God's in it, he'll bless it. And not taking into account that that's not how it worked in the New Testament. In the New Testament, um, Paul took guys and trained them, right? Paul took guys, planted them uh, in a church planning hub like Ephesus, Antioch, uh, and, and then he launched them out. Guys like Titus, Timothy, Epaphroditus. So there was a lot of mentoring. I mean, really, Jesus mentored the 12. The 12 mentored people. Uh, Paul mentors people like crazy. Uh, Barnabas goes on to mentor John Mark, his nephew. And you just see this model in the New Testament of passing on to the next generation. And so there wasn't this, uh, hey, man, survival, the fittest mentality, natural selection. We'll let the, 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 the weak ones will get weeded out by the process of, of natural selection. There is very much an idea that we're going to send you. So when a guy has a pastor, it comes to him and says, you know what? I see the potential in you and I am willing to do this, that, and that. And I want to talk about some of those things that it could be that, that he would do for you. Um, but, but if a guy does that for you, you are in the minority, right? That is rare. That guy as much as you might think he's a square or you're like, you know, he's not really frontline. 
for him to even be having that conversation, he's bucked the trend because the trend is that competition that Pete was talking about. Like, well, why don't you stay here and build what we have going on? And when you get a guy like that, he's being very, very insular and he's wanting you to build his thing. And in, in many cases, that's a very carnal attitude. Um, for, for example, if I want to get a pastor's attention right now, I go online and I put an ad together that says, double your church attendance in, you know, 20, 25 days or, you know, 24 months or whatever. And if I do that stuff, I'm going to start making money hand over fist selling that pro- product and that program. Um, or the, the other most common one, if you watch, is how to increase your tithe by 30%, you know, within however many months. And you'll know as a marketer, Pete, that's like golden marketing, right? Well, as the treasurer for the church, where can I find that report? <laughs> well, and here's the thing, right? Um, and it just shows where the heart is at, right? You won't see a lot of, you won't see a lot of ads going how to reach more lost people outside of your four walls. That doesn't sell. People are like, I don't care about that. I mean, I, I know they would say that they care about it. But what I'm saying is that's not what's being marketed because that's not what sells. Pastors want more people because it equals more money. So they want more money. And, and the, the reasoning goes so that the church could do more mission. Well, wait a second. I'm going to call us out on that because I'm not seeing a bunch of churches all out for mission. I'm seeing a bunch of churches trying to get more people and get more money saying that they're going to be more on mission, but I'm not seeing them. When I see sending a bunch of sending churches fighting over planters, then I'll change my mind. Then I'll say, okay, wait a second. These guys really are all out for mission. Um, church planning is a number one evangelistic strategy under heaven, according to the famous quote that we all hear kicked around. Um, that is the case. And if that's the case, why isn't every church prioritizing church planting and sending planners out? I mean, really, that, that the proof's in the pudding. Instead, what I have to do often is I have to raise awareness of the importance of church planting because pastors are very focused on building their congregation size and uh, you know, gathering more people. And, and, and when you talk to them about gathering more people, they're not talking about people from outside. They're talking about marketing in competition with the other, other churches to get more Christians. You know, what's funny is um, I was talking with someone. Uh, I, I'm not going to say his name. You might know who I'm talking about because you, you actually introduced me to this person. But uh, I was talking with them on Tuesday, and they were telling me, one of their, their visions. And so, you know, he starts, Oh, you know, I got this vision for where I want to go or or not where I want to go. It was more like, you know, what, what I, what, what I want to be a part of. And so finally I just, I I go, well, tell me what it is. Cause we, I think we were talking about money and he was like, you know, and, and finding resources and things like that. And he goes, well, my goal is, uh, or what I'd like to see happen is to reach 3 million people in the next 10 years and expose them to the gospel six to eight times. And to me, that was like, wow, that's a kind of an exciting idea. And he goes, well, yeah, because you know, people that don't just hear it once and then all of a sudden they're in, 
you got to sometimes they got to hear it two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. But if we could reach three million people in uh, basically, you know, Long Beach, Torrance area, you know, what's called the South Bay uh, here in Southern California. I mean, that's a lot. And that yeah. was that was what, you know, one of his visions was. But it, it was amazing because how many people would have that kind of a vision? Not I want to grow a church of three million. And, you know, he saw church planting as like the main way to do that. I'm like, well, how many church plants do you think you're going to need? And he's like, I don't know, 10,000 in the next 10 years. Well, that's it. And and what often happens as a church planting situation is we come from a church that its vision really is to grow their church. And I'm sorry, but that's just not a good enough vision. If I were called in to a church to um, kind of do some some coaching or some consulting, First thing I'd ask is, what are you guys trying to accomplish? And I would I would pick that apart. If anything other than reach as many lost as possible came through, um, I'd say, well, you know, why is that? I'd keep poking at it, keep pulling that thread until eventually, why is the church here? And then we'd start unpacking the idea that the church is here to reach lost people. We are called to disciple people who make disciples. You cannot come up with anything else for the reason for the church's existence. And so that's evangelistic. Yes, it's nurturing, but also evangelistic. What you're doing is you're creating missionaries who, as John Piper pointed out, mission exists because worship does not. Hmm. So we want everyone to come back to adoring Jesus. And that's the heart of mission. So that being said, um, if, if a church, you know, is not into, uh, church planning, then already they're into building their own thing. And when they produce a church planner who comes out, his temptation is to become just like that and go into a church planning scenario. And his goal is to make his church plant big. Now, none of us is going to argue. Like if, if, if our church grows and explodes and there's a work of God going on, like at Pentecost or something like that, great. But we're primarily existing as a church plan to go after unchurched people. So when you come across a sinning church who says, look, we're one church, but we're limited to being here. I think I told you that there was a pastor who uh, we were going to plant in San Pedro. And this pastor, I mean, he's, he's not alive anymore. But, um, you know, I, I remember just having this, this battle where I'd, I'd you know, people say, oh, you know, so-and-so is not going to want you planning a church in that neighborhood. And we're going in the projects, man, in San Pedro. And they're like, oh, he's not going to, you know, he sees that as his area. And so I contacted him. I wrote him a letter. I emailed. I called repeatedly. No response. And he's basically going, this is my area. And I can remember just thinking that is a bold claim because what he's saying is I am going to stand before God and tell God, I kept church planners out of this city that I was nine miles away from because it was my area. I expected lost people to drive 10 miles to get to my church. And I, I forbade and opposed any church planner that was trying to go into that neighborhood. Like, that's a big deal, man. Like, I was scared for him. You know, I, I don't want to be the guy standing before God on that day going, hey, God, I told church. You know what I'm saying? That's a big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. 
Yeah, it's it's. I mean, you and I have had this conversation before, and I I absolutely agree. I just um, <laughs> I just gotta believe that God's got more grace than that when we actually stand before Him, because there's a lot more <laughs> stuff He can be like coming down on us for. Well, He's not He's not gonna like lose his salvation or anything. It's just you know we're rewarded. I know. And I, I see I know. it this way, right? A church planner or or a sinning pastor who goes, look, we're only one church. This is the heart you're looking for in a sinning pastor. We're only one one church, and we're limited by being in this area. But you know what? We could plant out. We could do what Jerusalem did, what Antioch did. What about the churches that are so into the multi-campus? You know, we're gonna we're gonna pipe in the uh, the video feed from the the pastor, and you know, we're gonna have a campus pastor, and they're gonna lead worship, and you know, once a month they're gonna preach too. I mean, what about those style of churches? Because that's, I mean. That's honestly becoming such a rage. Well, it is because in, in in one sense, like let's picture we're in the pastoral locker room, you know, and they're all boasting, you know, hey, Bob, how big's your church, you know? And uh, <laughs> men like to boast about the size of things, right? And so this ends up being, you know, the locker room talk at a pastor's conference. Hey, hey my church is, you know, 6,000 people. And another guy goes, oh, mine's uh yeah, we're pushing, uh, I don't know, 12,000 people. And uh, so they have this kind of talk, right? And um, and that used to be in vogue. Now, and, and then enough pastors' conferences, you know, where guys are like, you know, it's not about the size of your church. Normally said by, you know, mid-size or, or small small <laughs> church guys, you know, um, which is, <laughs> you got to laugh, but it's true because it's not the measure of success. And so I'm glad that that message gets out. But at the same time, now, though, now, it's now a boast about how many campuses you have. It used to be the size of your one campus. Now, you go into the locker room and talk about, we have 12 campuses in three cities, you know, or five Which, counties. It's interesting, too, because God still uses that. Well, and of I mean, course. And so, when, when you're asking me what my opinion is on it, um, you know, there are two minds that I have of this. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you say something first, because I, I, I there's two ways to look at this from my perspective. Well, and I think I probably even know what your perspective is. I mean, after, you know, a hundred and some odd hours of doing the <laughs> podcast, hardcore church planning, everything else we do, I probably know where you stand on this. One, I would say God can use anything. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't, I probably shared it before on the podcast, but you know, one of the stories that's hit me the most over the last few months is reading the story of Jonah and how God uses throwing Jonah overboard to save the people on the boat. Like they turned and worshiped God because as soon as they threw him overboard, everything stopped. So God uses a prophet who's completely disobeying him and running from him. God still uses that guy to bring people to him. That's so, it. um, so God can use obviously the multi-campus, all that stuff. He, yeah. He's not so small of a God that he can't use even our arrogance, ignorance, and you know whatever you want to call it when we do stupid things. And I'm not saying multi-campus is stupid. There's a time and a place for it. That's that, Please don't misunderstand my point in that. Yeah. And, but you know, secondly, should... I, I think a lot of it is not giving people the opportunity to use their gifts, right? How, how is the, the church planner really going to develop his ability to preach? He's He's not given an opportunity to preach. He, he's not, he's not provided the opportunity to lead a, maybe, maybe a small group in his home is all he gets to do because, you know, I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. 
absolutely. And I think a lot of guys, here's the thing. Uh, okay, my first reaction when I first heard of campus uh, pastors was I'm, I'm looking at it through the FIST leadership model with um, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. And I'm going, well, okay, so is the guy who's there on the ground, not the guy speaking on the video, that's the, the can't call that guy really a sending uh, pastor because he hasn't released yet. Um, the ministry. He's still owning the ministry. It's still his deal that other people are managing for him. And so it's kind of like, hey, you know what? I can't clone me. So rather than disciple others to reproduce myself, I'm just going to clone myself through video. And cloning and discipling are two different things. You can clone a church, but that's not discipling a church planter. And so that was my first reaction was, okay, so maybe you got a shepherd there. He does all the like really pastoral things, but you're the teacher. And so you're piping your teaching to all these people because your thought is, well, hey, I'm such a good teacher that, uh, you know, you know, it'd be better than, you know, more of me here is more of me here and everywhere else. Right. So these people over there, what they lack in that town is me. So I'm going to send me over there through my deal. And so that was a very, you know, I guess, narrow way of me to look at it. That was one way to look at it. Um, and I think that's definitely a danger. But I was talking with uh, one of Rick Warren's guys. And what they said really kind of got me thinking a bit that at least as training wheels, it's not a bad idea. And I'm not, I'm not advocating because, again, it goes against my DNA. Everything for me is incarnational, organic. Um, but I understood where they were coming from when they said, look, we know that this guy's not going to be uh, the teacher that, say, a Rick Warren or someone else is. So what we do is we have that. It's there. Um, we're using small groups to really attract people. But the Sunday is there, too. But the guy, like every three Sundays, he teaches and he's developing midweeks. Uh, but then he develops, he gets a shot once a month. And I would say that most of us developed as preachers, you know, having sporadic appearances in front of the church to preach and cut our teeth in the pulpit. But really, it's that week by week. That's when the pedal hits the metal. You know, that's when you really start um, kind of growing. But yeah, I mean, you know, I. I could see that for the sake of going faster, um, that you're taking that burden off the church planner to give him less to consume his time, particularly a Bible guy. I got it. I was like, okay, so that can be a tool. But if if that's the motivation, it's not the end game. Like I still just think most people are going to think it's weird to sit and look at a screen on a Sunday. I don't think that's sustainable long-term. Yeah, and then let's say I've planted 10 churches out, but you know, the movie churches, so you're watching me on a screen, and then I suddenly drop dead, which happens. Or I get in a car crash, or I need surgery, and I'm out for a couple months, or I have a nervous breakdown, or I have a moral failure. What then for those 10 churches? Suddenly, they just go cold turkey from you. And because it's been dependent, 10 congregations now, I mean, I shudder to think that one congregation would be focused on one dude, but 10? Yeah. Right. But, you know, and, and to actually echo what you're saying, Jamie and I used to go to a church in Long Beach that 
uh, had the opportunity to buy at least uh, two other campuses while we were there. Um, one of them was closer to our house. It uh, was technically in another city. It was in Lakewood, which is not uh, part of Long Beach. It's a separate city. And so we went there one time. We're like, oh, okay, let's go check this out. This is when we were living, I think, in Bellflower at the time. And so we went to that church, and when all of a sudden they rolled down the screen and popped on the videotape, we were like, are you serious? <laughs> like, okay, yeah, we had a live band for worship, but frankly, um, I have no problem just going home and watching this on TV. Why in the world did I drive here to watch a dude on TV? Like, it didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And that was the only time we went there. We we're like, forget it. We're we're done. We're going on to the next. Uh, but it, you know, it has been used quite successfully in some churches because I remember um, that night you and I had uh, dinner with Rick Warren, and he was talking about. And actually, was it that night or was it afterwards? Um, it was when he came back from taking that uh, bereavement time after his son died, and. Whoever, you know, one of his main guys says, hey, look, I'm going to make your life a lot easier. So Rick used to preach six times a weekend because they had six services there at at their um, main campus because they didn't want the campus to be so huge, you know, that it held 6,000. It only held two to 3,000. So if you wanted to go to that, you had to, you know, go to one of those times. And basically what they did is they went to a, a system where he recorded it Saturday night and they played it back on Sunday. Yeah. And um, and Rick was saying, you know, how much easier that made his life. And that wasn't even a multi-campus, right? That was one campus. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. And, and, and that I get because I think that's a lot more healthy. What would be cool is if Rick would start um, kind of working other guys in that can start kind of, you know, passing on. Because he is a big advocate well, of church. But, but he did. I mean. Oh yeah, remember well, his he's, Wednesday he's night planning. meetings. Yeah, yeah, his Wednesday night yeah. meetings, and then like now all of their other campuses. I mean, they don't. To my understanding, they don't uh, show videos at the other campuses. They've got other pastors. Yeah, so. exactly. That's what I'm saying. And you know, so I I actually love the uh, you know the the model that he's using right now. And I'm just thinking because right now we rotate guys in, but this is a total different topic. To get back on our topic. I want to uh, to just talk about you know the, the, the going back to what you're expecting from your sending pastor or your sending church. Um, it's really important that you are able to kind of convey uh, the importance of a sending church to your pastor. That as we've said before, it's not about control. Um, control will kill your church. It is about um, uh, encouragement, and so you let them know. You tell them. You say, you know what. Um, this is actually about, um, I need your encouragement because church planning is hard and there's going to be times where you want to quit, right? I've, I've mentioned before that Charles Spurgeon, someone asked him, you know, do you ever think of quitting? And he said about twice, twice a month. And, you know, it, it's hard as a church planner because you are seeing little returns sometimes. I would have said every Sunday, but that would be... <laughs> And and so here's a probably for a church planner it is every Sunday right and <laughs> so here's the deal never mind I won't even say it I was just thinking back about a text I sent you and all I wanted to do was buy bullets <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> yeah 
So, you know, here, here's the deal is that, uh, you know, you need to tell your, your sending pastor, you need to tell him things like, hey, can you call me uh, and, and, and just check up on me maybe once a, a month, maybe once a week? You know, I'm your dude. Like, you know, I'm planting out from you. I need support. As I'm going out, I'm going to need your input. Now, that's going to do a couple things. That's going to tell your pastor, A, you respect him, right? That's a, that's a, it's a weird thing with the sending pastor where they get really insecure. Like they think you're leaving because you don't think they're the stuff or the hotness. And you may not think that. But in doing that, you're letting them know, hey, you're still my pastor. And I think that's important to let your sending pastor know that he is still a leader you respect and someone you want the support of. And that dude's going to need to reach out to you. And you're inviting him. You need to invite him to reach out to you. You need to invite him to encourage you, to bust your chops, to challenge you, to say, hey, have you done this or done that? And, um, you know, uh, so you're going to need him personally. You're also going to need what Paul did in Antioch. And so you got to let him know, hey, what I'm asking for is biblical. Paul went back to, to Antioch and gave updates. I'm wondering, can I give updates once a year to the church? And can you put me on as a missionary? So when I put myself on as a missionary, um, I'm on the prayer board, I'm visible, will you put me in the bulletin, will you do all the things that you do for missionaries, for me, but even more so because, you know, for example, your church plant might have the sending church's name on it. And so, you know, this is something that, that, that you're asking for. You're giving him bragging rights in the locker room, not that that should mean anything. But uh, everybody will take the bragging rights. Every pastor will say, well, we sent him out, you know, back in 2010, you know, we sent, you know, he's going to brag about you. So if he's going to get the privilege of bragging, he's going to need to take the responsibility of supporting and, uh, and money. You know, I, there's no rule to this. There's no, I mean, we can't argue that Antioch uh, supported all the church plants 100%. That is not the responsibility of the sending church. Um, they can't do it. They didn't do it in the New Testament. Paul worked with his hands. Hey, Bible guys, right? It's biblical. Um, but there should be some token, some measure, something that they're doing for you is, you know, some way in which they're saying, hey, even if it's silver or gold, I don't have what I do have. I give you, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to make sure that we pray for you in the midweeks. So I'm going to make sure that we, you know, uh, whatever it is that we give you our sound equipment, we, you know, we've talked, I mean, this, the, all of that stuff we've talked about, what you, how, what you need to ask your sending pastor for, but, um, but, but finding a sending church, you know, going back on topic that will support you. Um, those are the three major areas that you're looking for. Here's a question. I don't know that responsibility is the right word, but what should be the relationships when it comes to uh, finances for the church plant, when it comes to supporting? Um, I mean, should they be supporting financially? Should, I, I don't see. I don't like the responsibility. Like, I, don't, I don't think it's a responsibility of ascending church no. to support you financially. It's not. It's not. So, but what, what do you, should, should there be something? Should it, I mean, I don't know. Does that question make any sense? Well, I think, I think at least, you know, perhaps what they give a missionary, they ought to be given the, the, the church plant itself. And that's something that, you <laughs> if know, they don't give to missionaries. 
If they don't give to missionaries, then, then it would be a really strange thing that they would um, give to you. I don't, yeah, I don't think they would even be sending any church that didn't have a heart for missions. I can't even imagine them sending out a church planner. Yeah. Unless a guy's so backwards, all he wants is those locker room bragging rights. You know, hey, hey, we, you know, gosh, at last year's pastor's conference, Bob said he planted five churches. I better get on that. And, well, you know, and so I'm could, sure there are. I'm sure there are guys like that because oh there is trust I watch me. TV shows all the time like Dateline and stuff like that. I remember watching one where you know this pastor um, had his wife killed and had this uh, other lady's husband killed, so the two of them can hook. I mean, about as far from God as you could get. And I mean, you yeah. got to think if there are pastors in that situation, then what does the rest of that church look like? Like they're not. I mean. They're they're not like they're not preaching the right message. I'm sure missions and giving up any of the money is the last thing on their mind. Like, and I remember part of it was an insurance scam for the life insurance. So I mean, I'm just saying that stuff's out there. I mean, clearly it's out there. And if God has still reached and pulled you out, and you're in one of those churches where their pastors are just so jacked up, yeah, you're you're not going to get that support. But yeah, but in in the average, keep in mind that your pastor doesn't know how to send you. And so you've got to help him out. That's the reason for this broadcast. You've got to help him out a little bit. You've got to tell him what you need. And you've got to ask for some of these things. And we've got a really in-depth podcast on that. If you go back through our past podcasts on, on you know, how you go about it, how you have the conversation, how you set it up, what you bring to it. I mean, we went way into detail, but I think it's just important to point out that um, on this one, the purpose of this one is kind of just what is a sending church? Why do you need one? Because I'm coming across a huge number of planters where they're just not interested. And I just think, you dummy, like, you don't even know what you're missing out on. Like, even, even if I didn't get a penny from a sending church, and, and, and really it comes down to it, right? Like, Pat Hood, he wrote the book, uh, The Sending Pastor. And um, he, or The Sending, is it The Sending Church? Sending Pastor? I can't remember. But he wrote one and he talks about the three B's, budgets, buildings, and butts in the seats. And that's a scorecard of success for most pastors. And so that first one was budget. The very first thing that needs to change is the budget of a church that's only thinking of itself. So, you know, if if they're going to pour a little bit of money into it, that's awesome. Like, I, I'm just going to tell you guys, we're a small little church. We've been spending... Um, and it's funny because I've been talking, we tallied up how much each one of our barbecue costs. And one of our barbecues can cost up to $500 a month. And so I got one guy where, you know, he makes a claim, but it's only for like $200. And he his tithe is like, you know, that. And some months he'll claim it and some months he won't. He'll go, that's my tithe, you know. Um, he's a salesman. He'll do what he does, you know. Um, and so that, that for us is an investment because he's talked to us and we're like, no, keep doing that. That's fine. You know, but, uh, but now he just got that funded. <laughs> he just, he just got patronage, Pete. I don't You'd be happy to know. What do you mean? He just got a guy to fund the entire barbecue every month. Oh, really? The guy's going to drop 500 bones in the account. But again, people will fund Make it out mission. to Pete Mitchell. What's that? Make it out to Pete Mitchell. <laughs> Esquire. But uh, but people will find that. But you've got to let your sending pastor know, even like I was saying, even if it's not budgetary, even if it's just that phone call, even if it's just 
you know, one of, the, one of the things that I would do if I were sending a pastor out, and this this does come from a, a business mindset and really a, a training mindset. Like, I, as you know, I do basically consulting for companies. And one of the things I do with all of my, well, no, I shouldn't say all my clients, all my major clients, which to me, a church plant would be a major client of ascending church. That's the way I would view them. Um, one of the things I do is I do a weekly call with uh, the CEO. And for a half hour, we talk about where they're at. What do we need to do? Where's the strategy going? What changes need to be made? Um, that's where they have their time to, uh, you know, hit me with all of their questions and what do we need to change up and all this, that, and the next. Uh, imagine if you had that as a church planner with your sending pastor and could tap into that. And this was a regularly scheduled call. Like they know every Monday at 1030, yep. um, you and, and, and him got a call and you're going to get your answers. You're going to also get challenged. You're going to, I mean, to me, that would be so awesome. And I don't know if most sending churches do that, but I would imagine they probably don't. Cause they're like, Oh, I'm too busy. I can't take a half hour out of my schedule for you. But to me, that's well, crazy. And, and again, it comes back to that idea. Are you really prioritizing mission then? Because your church planner is the best tool you have for reaching lost people. If you as a church say, I want to reach lost people, and you're not prioritizing your church planners, then you're not serious about wanting to reach lost people. So like every week, I've got a call scheduled with Ruben. F- funny enough, he, he was like, he texts me every Tuesday because I tell him, you got to text me. You know, every Tuesday, he texts me, are we on? Boom. Most, most weeks are on. Everyone so we miss it or we got to reschedule it. And uh, so here's the deal. Um, that I know he needs. For, for me, I still need it. I'm, I'm a church planner, you know, of, of X amount of years. I've been in ministry 22 going on 23 years. I still need pastoral input. I talked to my sending pastor this week. I can't tell you what good it did for me. Can't even tell you. Um, but I used to get a call from my, the guy that was on hardcore church planning this week, hardcore church planner, other podcast, Peter Jeffrey. When I moved to Wales, it did not fail every single Monday morning, 10 a.m. I get a call from him. Hey, boy, I had to go yesterday. Every single Monday. Really? That's awesome. Yeah. Every Monday, 10 a.m., I could count on a call from him, want to see how it went. And there's just something about that. When yeah. you have that, this just, it, I, you, you don't know, feel like you're I don't alone. always have that. You don't feel like you're alone. And that's, uh, on, a, on a selfish note, uh, that's one of the things uh, that we, well, we do a version of that in Jump School. So uh, just a, a little plug there. We do a live Q&A call every month yeah. where our church yeah. planners can call in with their questions. It's once a month. It's not the same as you're sending church, but, you know. When you sign up for Jump School, though, you're literally asking Pete Knight to mentor you. Like, you know, if, if more, a guy— more Peyton than like, Pete, if, just, just so your mind is at ease. <laughs> But if you're if you're calling, you know, if you call me, like I find it hard to say no, no, you you can't, um, you know, I can't talk to you because you're not in jump school. It doesn't work that way. But I can tell you this: if you're just calling me, um, you know, that's that's one thing. Like I'll talk to you. But if you've joined jump school, I feel responsibility that when you need to talk, you've asked me to mentor you. It's a totally different. You've entered into a mentorship relationship with me. 
And now I feel a sense of responsibility towards you as a church planner. And I, you know, it, it, funny enough, we've made Jump School uh, the, the gateway into New Breed now because the goal is when you join New Breed, you become a training hub yourself. And, well, you know, what better way than to, to, you know, not making this a commercial for Jump School. Cha-ching! But, uh, you know, it, it is. It's that same idea, though, that I may not be your sinning pastor, but there's that mentorship. And you do need that, man. You absolutely do. And that's one reason if, if you're a church planner, I mean, if you're a sending pastor hasn't been a church planner, like Pete was saying, or maybe he church planted 40 years ago and he's got a little bit of that smugness, or he just doesn't really understand church planning because let's face it in the eighties, the seventies, it was a different animal, still church planning, but it was a different animal Then uh, you know, you do need someone who's going to mentor you a bit. So but, uh, but that's it, man. So, hey, that is it for today. But Church Planner, I hope you got the idea that you are going to have to take the initiative with your sending pastor, your sending church. If you have a guy who's willing, like G.I. Joe says, that's half the battle. And the other half is you telling him, outlining for him what you're going to need and, you know, kind of have, showing have him that, how. Have you seen that picture on the Internet where it's got a circle? It's a pie chart. And it's got, you know, a sliver up at the top. It's like red lasers, another sliver, blue lasers, and then half the circle, knowing. (laughs) Knowing is half the battle. (laughs) I thought it was so funny. Yeah, half the battle. It's awesome. So, you know, but that's it. You're going to have to tell him. You're going to have to show him. And as Pete just quoted G.I. Joe, again, I'm going to turn that quote back around. Then your pastor will know what you need from him as a sending church. And as G.I. Joe says, knowing is half the battle. Simplified church. Commercial time? <laughs> that was an awkward break. <laughs> I'm looking at you like. And this particular episode of, I almost said hardcore church planning, of the Church Planner Podcast was also brought to you by Simplified Church, where you can get your church simplified. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the tagline. Absolutely. Simplified Church frees you up to do the stuff you weren't called to do. The bookkeeping, the banking, the... Uh, IRS compliance, all that other stuff that keeps church planners awake at night, they will do for you. Simplifychurch.com. You cannot afford to go without these guys. Tell them that Pete and Peyton sent you because uh, they're also great loyal sponsors of the podcast and the magazine. And we want to to help them out any way we can because they're helping you out by helping us. Yeah, they're awesome, man. I actually just post them sometimes on Facebook just because I'm like, man, these guys are awesome. And if you go to SimplifiedChurch.com, there's a cool video on there. It'll show you exactly what they do. It's really hot. So anyways, hey, guys, thanks for joining us for the Church Planner Podcast. Be sure to leave a review if you found this show helpful in any way, shape, or form. We uh, are particularly asking that you leave a review of both of the podcasts, Church Planner Podcast and Hardcore Church Planning. And we thank you for joining us today. This has been the Church Planner Podcast reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. 
The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.